Thanks for listening to the Thyroid Fixer podcast with your host, me, Dr. Amy Horneman, aka The Thyroid Fixer. Also, functional medicine practitioner, hormone and weight loss expert. We're talking all things thyroid, hormone, and health-related in order to empower, educate, and transform you. Remember, I fix your thyroid, I fix your hormones, I fix your life. So let's get started. So I asked and you guys answered, and I love you for it. All of your questions. I love doing these Q&As, and especially in my thyroid groups that I know people just want to just take in the advice and the information and actually apply it to their lives to make a huge difference in how they look, feel, and perform. And that's the big thing here. Are you finally at your wit's end where you are tired of dealing with doctor after doctor? Maybe you've spent thousands on integrative or functional practitioners that have not helped you at all because they don't know the thyroid and hormones. They're not even testing properly. So come work with myself and my team. We prescribe to all 50 states and parts of Canada. I have you covered. I've been building this team for years so that I could help you no matter where you are. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes, book a free application call. We're going to go over your current health situation, what worked, what hasn't worked, all the things. And then we will pair you up with the right program for you where we will do it all. You will come out the other side of the program, totally optimized, getting your life back. You're going to recognize the person you see in the mirror again. Doesn't that sound absolutely amazing? Well, it might sound like you don't even believe it, but I promise you, I promise you, we will take good care of you. So click the link in the show notes, book a call today, and we'll be talking to you soon. So when we're talking about thyroid disease, when we're talking about hormones, when we're talking about our health in general, it really is about looking at the big picture, looking at labs, understanding our labs, being our own patient advocate, and then really diving in and looking at those little details that I hear from you in your questions. And that allows me to help you implement those little details, those little changes, those little nutrient imbalances, a supplement add-on, whatever it might be to really impact your health. So today I went right to a very, very important community, the Attuned Thyroid community. Now I've, I've mentioned them before on Facebook. Let me back up. I have made fun of a lot of Facebook groups because I'll say you guys all take selenium because you heard it on Dr. Oz or you read it on some thyroid Facebook group, right? Because there's a lot of bad information out there. A lot of bad information. There are certain groups, very, very few. Well, this is the only, this is the one public group that I would recommend in addition to my public group, the Dr. Amy Thyroid Fixer Love Your Mirror group. This is the Attuned Thyroid group. Her two groups on Facebook are powerhouses. Attuned Thyroid started long before mine. And it was started by a group of admins who are all very knowledgeable themselves. They suffer with thyroid disease themselves. They've been through the whole gamut, the whole misdiagnosed and mistreated and stuck on the wrong medication, not listened to by doctors gamut. And they came together and said, you know what? We want to create a group where there's not just a bunch of people giving bad advice that their sister's fiance's second cousin did and it helped her thyroid or some multi-level marketing product that a woman is is pumping so she makes money on the side and she got into the group. 
they wanted real scientific advice. They wanted real patient advice. They wanted practitioner advice. So these guys are just rock stars. And so today I wanted to do something special and go to that community and answer that community's questions. So everything you hear on this podcast today will be from the attuned thyroid community. Their questions right from their mouth. So here we go. We're just diving in. This is going to be hodgepodge, but it's going to be great, great info. I, I saw the questions from before. I, I read them over before we jumped on here. So great info. We're going to try to get to all of them. Okay. Number one, is it ever too late to begin HRT and postmenopausal and diagnosed with Hashimoto's and adrenal insufficiencies? So first of all, HRT, hormonal replacement therapy. No, it is never too late. I have 70-year-old patients that are coming to me saying, I want to live the rest of my life the best possible way that I can. And how do we, how do we improve our overall health, hormones? So whether you're talking about thyroid hormone, sex hormones like estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, we need hormones for life. Without hormones, we wither and die. That's why hormones decline as we age. That's when the wrinkles start and we start hunching over and more pain and inflammation and our joints start to get all broken down. That's a decrease in hormones. A decrease in estrogen will make your skin wrinkle and make your hair very, very thin. Vaginal dryness, everything just dries up. Dry, dry. Think dry wasteland with low estrogen. Low testosterone, you lose motivation, you lose muscle, you lose libido. That's your get shit done hormone. You need it. Progesterone is calming. Without progesterone, you start losing sleep. And then that has a whole host of other conditions and, and symptoms that are associated with it. Thyroid hormone, as you lose that, if you have a thyroid problem, if it just generally decreases as you age, if you have Hashimoto's and further destruction, you haven't been treated properly all your life, well, that's metabolism. That's life. That's, that's everything. That's energy. So when we replace hormones, and I know you asked specifically about hormonal replacement therapy as it relates to sex hormone replacement therapy, because when we say HRT, we mean the sex hormone replacement therapy although thyroid is a hormone too, and we replace that. But when we say HRT, it's the sex hormones. And Mary specifically says she is postmenopausal. So a study has been done, well, multiple studies have been done, that show that if you replace hormones postmenopausally, and I want to get this right for you, for six years, you decrease your risk of cancer and I want to say specifically breast cancer, but I think it's all cancers, by 75%. It's huge. It's a huge decrease. And that's how protective bioidentical hormones are. Now, when we're talking HRT, we're talking bioidentical. We're not talking synthetic, horse urine, some you know cream that you buy over the counter. We're not talking about birth control or any of those synthetic hormones that were used in the Women's Health Initiative study years ago that showed that hormones cause cancer. So that's where we got the villainization of estrogen and basically all hormones. And that's why so many women are still scared 
to take hormones because their doctors are in the stone age thinking that hormones are going to cause cancer. They will if you give the synthetic garbage ones. And what cracks me up are these doctors are the same doctors that are denying postmenopausal women from feeling like rock stars are the ones that will give out birth control like effing candy to teenagers. That's synthetic hormones, folks. Those are the ones that showed in the Women's Health Initiative study that caused cancer. But we'll give it to 20-year-olds, not a problem. They're young enough, right? They don't have to worry. Yes. So, Mary, absolutely, absolutely you take that HRT. That will help with so much. And when you're talking about adrenal insufficiency, we also have to tie in pregnenolone. Because when you have an adrenal insufficiency, if your adrenal glands are not making enough cortisol, there is something called a pregnenolone steal that occurs. Now, this can also be a progesterone steal, but progesterone is usually a secondary hormone that gets stolen in place of pregnenolone. So there is a pregnenolone steal that will occur where your adrenal glands will steal pregnenolone to make cortisol. So I would bet money, Mary, that you are low in pregnenolone. And if you're postmenopausal and you're not taking hormone replacement therapy, you're going to be low in progesterone, but you're also probably really tanked out in progesterone because your adrenal glands are most likely stealing some of it as well. And then you're going to be low in estrogen and testosterone too. With adrenal insufficiency, if you're, if you're not taking enough pregnenolone, now you're at a higher risk of Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, dementia because pregnenolone is very, very neural protective, meaning it protects your brain against the diseases of aging. It also supports your adrenals. So taking something like pregnenolone, which is over-the-counter, Designs for Health makes pregnenolone CRT. That's what I use a lot on my patients. You can find that on my website store. When you add in pregnenolone, it's very neuroprotective, brain protective. And now you're giving a little bit of pregnenolone as a precursor to the sex hormones that we're still going to replace on you. And then you're also giving a little bit of pregnenolone to support your adrenal glands without adrenal insufficiency. So Mary, absolutely, yes. Yes, yes, and yes. Melissa asks, I know you recommend Accelernine, Iodine from Sarah Bantha. Do you recommend taking as much as she says? It seems like a lot. Miss Sarah recommends 25 drops of her iodine two to three times per day. Now, Melissa, if I'm being honest, I'm probably only going to remember it one time a day. You know, let's just be real. Unless there's a situation, like unless I'm, you can hear me, I'm nasally, I'm getting over a cold. So I bumped up my iodine because it's so good for your immune system. So in cases like if I'm super low in iodine, if I'm getting over a cold, if I'm battling a cold or virus, then yeah, I'm going to bump up my iodine and maybe I will actually remember to take it that second time and do 25 drops that second time. Most likely, you're going to remember it once a day. So I would say to work up to those 25 drops and maybe you can even go past that in your one time a day dosing. And then if you remember the second time, good. If you don't, okay. I wouldn't say that it's too much, but it's just, it's more about the easiness, the ability to remember to take that second dose that I would be looking at when it comes to, you know, double dosing. Now we always remember to take our thyroid medication. I get that, but that's so vital 
I never forget it. It's like a little alarm in my brain that goes off. But when it comes to iodine, listen, I'm human. I'll forget my second dose of iodine too. So I try to get a lot in in that first dose. Amanda, this is such a good question. We got to break this down. In what order should these be addressed? Okay, you guys ready? We got low vitamin D, iron saturation percent ferritin. I'm assuming that all those are low. CRP, elevated, high insulin at a 9.2. She knows I like it less than six. Not optimal testosterone, 32 versus 50, which is ideal. Low progesterone and estrogen dominance. Higher range DHEAS, high range reverse T3, low range free T4, and mid range free T3. All right, Amanda, break this down. I have a theory, it's called both and. We don't do one without doing all the others. So there is no order in which all should be addressed. They should be addressed all at the same time. So hypothetically, you and I are working together. The first thing, I mean, listen, we are, and you didn't put what medication and dose you're on, but we're going to drop your T4 medication. We're going to add in or increase your T3 medication. Because right off the bat, I don't care about the low range free T4. I care about that high reverse T3. That high reverse T3 tells us that you are not converting T4 to T3 properly. High insulin is probably going to be one of them. Low ferritin is going to be another reason. So their estrogen dominance is going to be another reason. Low vitamin D is going to be another reason. So we see, and you're very inflamed with a high CRP. So we see the reasons why that reverse T3 is pushing up. And we're going to address all of those reasons, but we're going to do your thyroid and your hormones at the same time as we're addressing these other things. So right off the bat, we're changing up your medication because the more T4 we pump into you, the higher that reverse T3 is going to go. We need to get the free T3 up and reverse T3 down. At the same time, we want to increase your testosterone. Now, being at a 32, you're probably right in that sweet spot where you could throw in some of my hormone fixer and you'd be good to go. You wouldn't necessarily need a testosterone cream or injectable. So if your doctor isn't in agreement with that, I think you'll be okay just using hormone fixer. But ideally, I'd probably toss in a little bit of cream or injectable with a 32 as well, because that's going to make you feel better. And testosterone is very protective against autoimmune conditions. So it's it elevated or optimal, I'll say, testosterone levels in men and women are protective against that Hashimoto switch turning on. Now, your switch might already be turned on, but it's also very protective against other autoimmune conditions. So we say autoimmune begets autoimmune, where we see one, we see more than one. When we have adequate testosterone levels, we are protecting our bodies from developing other autoimmune conditions. So, and in addition to just feeling better with optimal testosterone, right? So we want that. We want to bring down your insulin. I would use the blood sugar fixer to bring down that insulin because that high insulin is creating inflammation. It's also causing that reverse T3 to go up. So berberine, my blood sugar fixer, definitely add that in to bring down that insulin and inflammation. Progesterone, we have to replace it. So again, if you were my patient, I would use 100 milligrams of micronized progesterone. And again, I don't know your number, but you're saying that it's low. Estrogen dominance, we want to get rid of that. 
I would take a look at, you didn't mention your liver enzymes. I would definitely take a look at your liver enzymes and make sure that you're methylating properly and processing toxins properly, making sure that you're pooping every day because that's huge when it comes to estrogen dominance. Using something like my estrogen fixer, which contains DIM and or calcium deglucurate, supporting your liver to get rid of that excess estrogen, that is imperative as well. Obviously addressing the vitamin D at the same time. I don't know what your ferritin level is, but if you are anemic, if your ferritin is low, that's going to be driving up your reverse D3 as well. So I would use some kind of iron, ferritin iron to bring that up. So the answer to your question is multifaceted. I just told you all those little things that I would do individually with each marker. I would do them all at the same time. All at the same time. You don't do one and then wait and then do another one and wait some more because then you are going to be suffering with the symptoms that you're suffering with for a long, long, long time. And that's not the goal. The goal is to get you symptom-free and optimal as quickly as possible. And all of these things feed off of each other. So like I mentioned, testosterone and autoimmune disease, autoimmune conditions. And then if you have estrogen dominance and high insulin and low testosterone and high reverse T3 and free T3, low free T3, you're not going to be losing weight. You're going to be gaining weight left and right. Like every time you blink, you're going to put on a pound with that profile. So there's no way I would just do one thing. I want to do all the things so everything works together. So I would address them all at the same time. Maria asks, no, Maria stated, actually, Maria commented to Mary about the HRT saying some doctors don't recommend HRT. If you've been menopausal for 10 years, it's never too late. Those doctors are also in the stone age along with the doctors that tell you that bioidentical hormones cause cancer. It is never, ever, ever too late. Monica asks, can you talk about reverse T3 preferable numbers? Yes, Monica, reverse T3, we want below a 12. Now, here's the caveat. I will sometimes say I will accept a reverse T3 of less than 15 as long as your free T3 is in that upper quadrant of the range and you are symptom-free. So if you come and and we see a reverse T3, let's say of uh, 14, but you're like, listen, I'm good. I My my symptoms are gone. I'm finally losing weight. My energy's better. I'm pooping every day. The brain fog is lifted. Then I would say, okay, then we're good. We're going to keep an eye on it for sure. But as long as you are telling me that you are good, we're just going to roll with it. But if you come to me with a reverse T3 of a 14 and your free T3 is a 2.5 and you're suffering with symptoms, then we're addressing that. We're absolutely addressing it. So ultimately, I do want that reverse T3 to be below a 12. And then Amy wanted me to expand on T3 uptake. T3 uptake, oh, let me back up. Reverse T3, this is pretty much universal across the board. So whatever country you are in, reverse T3 goes up to a 25 and gets cut off. All of the other lab value ranges can be different. They can be different from lab to lab here in the United States, let alone from country to country. But reverse T3 is kind of cool in that 
it's universal across all countries. So absolutely less than 12. T3 uptake, 28 to 30% as long as that is the range. It's very rare. I don't do T3 uptake that much because here's the thing. If you don't have adequate levels of free T3, I don't really care what the uptake is. T3 uptake is kind of a bonus test. So if you're uptaking 30% and you're at that upper quadrant of the T3 uptake range and you only have a little pilly poop amount of free T3, what does it matter if it's uptaking it? Woo, it's uptaking it. And then there's some question about accuracy of T3 uptake as well. So because it's really hard to know to be honest, how your cells are uptaking the T3 with a blood, well, there, it's hard to know, period. There's no magic test to test that. It's called your symptoms. So I don't really even look at that unless it's just kind of tossed into a test as a bonus. Jerry, with history of estrogen, progesterone, positive breast cancer, is it safe to take a progesterone supplement? So Jerry, if you were just another person, I would say, go ask your doctor, but I know you. So we're going to have a more in-depth conversation on this, but I need to give an answer for the, for the general population. If, you ha- if, if the general population has the same question, yeah, I have to do the disclaimer where I say, go ask your doctor. But at the same time, I'm going to say, do some research yourself. I want you to listen to Dr. Lindsay Berkson. I'm still trying to get her on my podcast. She has a podcast, just Google, you know, like in your podcast platform app, just type in Dr. Lindsay Berkson and you'll see it. It's, it's older. She's shut it down. She isn't recording anything new anymore. I think she's going to start a new podcast, but the ones that she still has up on her old are amazing. And she has multiple books out as well. She is a breast cancer survivor herself and she is a huge, huge proponent of hormones, being protective against breast cancer, protective against recurrence. So she has one podcast. It's called Estrogen's Vindication, one of my favorite. I recommend women listen to that left and right. Go listen to her podcasts, read her books. If anyone, she teaches at Stanford. If, if I listen to anyone about hormones, it would be her because she is a breast cancer survivor. So obviously if she felt that she was in any kind of danger, and she certainly wouldn't put her patients in danger either, she wouldn't be talking about as much as she's talking about it. There's just too much evidence out there that hormones are protective. And I think we really need to look into that before we are fearful of it, before we can make any kind of decisions. Because then we fall right into alignment with the conventional doctors who are scaring women away from hormones but who are giving out birth control like it's candy. So we don't want to fall into that same line of thinking and make decisions out of fear. We want to make decisions out of knowledge and out of power and not be sheep just following the herd, doing our own research to make educated decisions for our own body. Okay. I can't pronounce this name. Veronica? Veronica. I can't pronounce this name. Beautiful name. Have you ever seen reverse T3 below the norm? Of course. And what can it mean? So 
if you are on T3 only, or if you are on a tiny little bit of T4, I have some patients that are on 25 micrograms of T4 and then like 100 micrograms of T3. So if you're on more T3 than T4, if you're on T3 only, if you're on a tiny little bit of T4, the only thing that converts to, to reverse T3 is T4. So naturally, you're going to have a low reverse T3 if you're on T3 only or a tiny little bit of T4. We don't worry about that. We don't worry about that at all. If you saw my reverse T3, non-existent. I mean, I don't think it even registers. It's like the less, less than five. I don't know. I don't even know why I throw it in there and get it tested. It's going to be low all the time. So yes, we, we, that's usually the case when we see very, very low reverse T3. It's based on the dosing. Have you seen people with 20 or 30 year long Hashimoto's history and almost non-existent thyroid? So, okay, that means over the span of 20 and 30 years of Hashimoto's, that slow destruction of the thyroid. So when we ultrasound the thyroid, it's like a little itty bitty, little itty bitty thing. It's all kind of jagged edged and looks like a little pee. Do well on T3, T4. Or is T3 only usually the only way for them? No, girl, it's it's either. So I don't care if you've had a thyroidectomy, total thyroidectomy, partial thyroidectomy, radioactive iodine, or you've had Hashi for so damn long that you basically don't even have a thyroid gland left. I want you on the medication that is going to work for you and the dose that's going to work for you. There is no rule that says because you've had Hashi for so long, you're T3 only. That's not how we determine T3 only. We definitely replace, now back to your point of destruction of the thyroid gland and not much left, the last thing we want to do is give you T4 only because that's not going to work when your thyroid gland was fully functional and healthy or in the case of a thyroidectomy, partial thyroidectomy, radioactive iodine, when it was there and it was present, it produced T4 and T3 when it was present and healthy. So giving a person T4 only is, in my opinion, medical malpractice. It's, it's head and ass syndrome. Because breaking out our old medical textbooks, let's go back to biology, shall we? Let's go back to a, a little ANP, anatomy and physiology. Thyroid gland makes two thyroid hormones, T4 and T3. We take it out and we replace it with T4. Hmm, let's pause there. Let's think on that logic real quick. That doesn't make sense. It does not make sense. And that fully functioning thyroid gland is your main conversion gland for T4 to T3 conversion. Now, I know there's peripheral conversion. And there's conversion in your gut. And there's conversion in your liver. But a lot, a lot, a lot of that conversion happens in your thyroid gland that was, oh, once there and now it's not or it was once full and functioning and now it's not. So we have to give T4 and T3. Now you might be a T3 only candidate. We don't know. We have to watch a reverse T3. We have to, and I also say another, another piece of that puzzle is trial and error. So I'll take myself for an example. If you give me T4, I'm going to produce symptoms before you see my reverse T3 increase. So you're going to see it in my symptoms before you see it in my labs. So sometimes it's a little trial and error to determine if someone is a T3-only candidate or not. But the bottom line is, 
and T4 have to be used together. Elisa, I am on Levo and Lyo, T4 and T3. I have 10 pounds I cannot lose. Four years ago, I was on Nature Thyroid and actually lost the weight. Have you seen this link? And does Nature Thyroid work just as well? So Nature Thyroid is gone, to my knowledge, gone. I don't know if it's come back. That falls under the NDT category. So under NDT, we have Armor, NP Thyroid, Nature Thyroid. There used to be a WP. There's a European version, I think. It's a natural desiccated thyroid. So now you are on T4 and T3 synthetic. I don't know what your dosing is. I mean, we have to look at so much, right? So we have to look at what were you on? And four years ago, you were a different person, by the way. So it really doesn't matter what you did four years ago. And if that worked, we could do the very same thing now and it might not work. Like if I could, if I could magically bring back some nature thyroid for you and give it to you, I could do the exact same thing that you did four years ago. It still might not work. So we have to look at what dose were you on back then. And then for net, right now, you're on Levo and Lyo, but what's the what's the balance? What's the combo? What's the dose of each? If you're on a teeny little bit of T3 and a huge big amount of T4 and you're not testing your reverse T3, maybe your reverse T3 is high, which is keeping those last 10 pounds on. And then we have to look at all the other factors too. So weight is not just about thyroid. It's big. It's a big component. But that's why I have a couple podcasts on why am I not losing weight? Go back and listen to those. There's a part one and part two because there's so many other things with weight, insulin, testosterone. I mean, there's just so many other things when we're talking about metabolism, your liver detoxing. But for you, Elisa, I would say it's most likely your dose. There's nothing wrong with the synthetics. I call them the biosynth because they are biologically just like the T4 and T3 that we make. And they're made by a drug company, just like Armor is. You're not necessarily more natural, quote unquote, if you go with a natural desiccated thyroid, even though there's a term natural in it. It's derived from porcine thyroid glands. Now, we can say, well, we're replacing thyroid hormone with that thyroid hormone that's in the thyroid gland. We're drying it out and we're putting it in a pill. Yes, but it's still made by a drug manufacturer. So don't think that you're au natural because you're choosing NDT. NDT might not be right for you because it's an 80-20 split in a pill, roughly, roughly. Roughly 80% T4, roughly 20% T3. But we can get into the weeds on, you know, how much, how many micrograms of each is in each pill. And then you have T2 in the NDT2, which is great, but it might not be right for you. So there's so much going on when we're talking about weight. So much, so much. Veronica asks, can excessive use of iodine cause thyroid issues or Hashimoto's? When I was little, I often had tonsillitis, and the doctor recommended to use Lugol solution on my tonsils as a topical antiseptic. My mom used to do that many times to ease my pain. Could that have interfered with, with my thyroid? A few years later, I developed hypothyroidism and then Hashimoto's that sometimes keep me up at night. Oh, girl, don't let it keep you up at night. So in World War II, soldiers carried iodine. Every soldier carried iodine in their, in their pack because for anything, for a sickness, for a cold, 
for a pox of some kind, a wound, you know, a battle wound, iodine, iodine, iodine. So your doctor was not wrong in that it is a topical antiseptic. Think about what your mom, remember when you get a cut, your mom put iodine on it. It turned all orange because it does. It's, it's a great antiseptic. And that's why I was using it this past week to battle a cold, right? Just to improve my immune system. Now, I have not seen, here's the thing, Veronica. Um, iodine gets a bad rap because there are doctors who used high, incredibly high doses with patients that pushed them into a hyperthyroid state. So they actually got a thyroid storm. And albeit very rare, that was the case. The amount of iodine that you would be using on your tonsils is so minuscule and actually probably did a good job at preventing Hashimoto's from turning on. But Hashimoto's is an autoimmune condition. It's not going to turn on from the use of iodine. Iodine is not a stressor. And I highly doubt you were just like dousing your tonsils in, in Lugol. So like drinking a whole bottle a day. So no, you can rest assured that I am 99% sure that that did not cause your Hashimoto's. What causes Hashimoto's, or not cause, but what turns it on, what turns that autoimmune switch from the off position to the on position, stress, pregnancy, hormonal changes. Did you go through puberty at that time? Did you have big hormonal fluctuations? Low testosterone, like we talked about earlier, nutrient deficiencies, and actually iodine deficiency because that is a stressor. So if you look at the work work of Dr. David Brownstein, he's a doctor in Michigan, still practicing. I think he's still in Michigan. But if you listen to his story, he will talk about how he was seeing boatloads of thyroid patients. And he had no problem putting these thyroid patients on thyroid medication, but he wanted to do a deep dive and understand why are there so many thyroid patients? Why am I seeing so many cases of hypothyroidism? And he looked at all of their iodine levels and they were low. And we know that low iodine also pushes up reverse T3. So again, Veronica, short of using super physiologic dosing of iodine, that would not be enough of a stressor. Using small amounts of iodine would actually help. But loads and loads of loads of iodine, I don't even know if that would be enough of a stressor to turn on Hashimoto's. Chances are, and even, well, you know, even having tonsillitis, having some kind of infection, sometimes underlying infections, can turn on that Hashimoto switch. There's so much that can turn it on, but it definitely was not using iodine on your little tonsils there. Okay. When you are looking for the right dose of T4 and T3 medication to get optimal, how quickly will your body respond once you hit the sweet spot? Is it like a boom within days you feel tremendous improvement or is it still a gradual improvement? And you can be on a correct dose for weeks until you actually feel it. Okay. Ooh, again, I love these questions so much. Let's break this down. When we are getting you optimized, it is not linear. It is not linear. Meaning you're not going to start on this path and just, I mean, better, 
and I'm getting better and I keep getting better and better. It's going to be up and down, zigzag and plateau and up again, and then maybe down up and then plateaued again. It is a wackadoodle pattern. That's just part of it. That's part of the journey. And then we try to make it as smooth as possible, right? So in general, let's say we, we bring you through this journey and you're on an optimal dose of whatever thyroid medication you need, whatever, whatever your jam is, right? And your symptoms are gradually improving. So what I normally tell my patients is, and I give them a what to expect chart. With thyroid specifically, and I won't get into like hormones and insulin, all that. With thyroid specifically, depending on how bad you are, how long you've been dealing with this and how many years you've been on just a shitty medication like T4 only, it might take a while to build up your metabolism. I use the analogy of your metabolism is like a wet pile of leaves. It's like we're, we're, clearing, we're clearing out the leaves. You know when you burn leaves? You get the leaves on the top and then it rained eventually, right? So you get all the wet, wet, mucky leaves on the bottom. And we have to clear those out and dry it out. Otherwise, you're not starting a fire. So we have to gradually build up that, that burn. And then we get the slow burn and then we have your metabolism up. So in that first month, you're most likely not going to experience weight loss. If you do, you're ahead of the curve. But maybe you'll experience a little bit of your clothes fitting better, a little glimmer of like, oh, my energy's better. Maybe I'm sleeping better, but nothing major. And then in month two, you're like, okay, we're chipping away. Things are getting a little better. Maybe you lost a pound or two. Clothes fit a little better, but maybe you do go up and down because you do a little bit of self-sabotage and you throw gluten back in, you get inflamed again, you go to a party you eat like garbage. You get it in your head that you think you're doing okay. That little self-sabotage voice. And then you eat like garbage and then you gain weight and you're like, crap. And then you get back on the, on the bandwagon and then your thyroid medication is working again. But then we retest and we make a dose change and we increase your med. And then you experience another like, woo, it's not a boom, Veronica. It's not a boom. It's like a, it's like a little woo, like a little woo. That's all I got. That's how I describe it. It's not a boom, it's a woo. So you feel like a little bit better. And then we test again and we make another dose change. And then you feel, so let's say we get you to that point where I'm at. The same dose for many years, optimal, no issues, riding the wave. Well, eventually here, I'm going to hit menopause. Now, will I be replacing with hormone replacement therapy? One million percent, yes. I already take progesterone. I already take testosterone. Estrogen is the last piece of the puzzle that I don't need yet, but I will when I need it. So when my hormones start to go awry, if I were to go through a hugely stressful period, like more stressful than the last couple of years, right, then things could change. So once you hit that optimal level, you get, you know, gradual improvement still, or you just kind of stay steady. Like I have no complaints. I don't, you know, there's nothing I can complain about. I'm optimal. And then, you know, you kind of move forward knowing that you might have to make changes, knowing that you might take some steps backwards as life hits you, as your body changes, as your hormones change. Can you safely get pregnant and have a safe pregnancy while being on T3 only? 
So here's the thing. If I were to get pregnant, I was going to say God forbid, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm 48. Come on. It's not, it's not good. If I were to get pregnant, I'm on T3 only. Let's say I were to get pregnant 10 years ago. I had no kids, so I, I can't speak to this. But I can speak to this piece. I'm on T3 only. You're not going to give me T4 because I'm pregnant. No. My reverse T3 would shoot up. I'd go hypo. Hypo is a huge, one of the biggest causes of miscarriage, let alone infertility to begin with. So no, you're not going to throw in T4 on someone who is a known T3 only. Now, let me expand on your question. Let's say you're on T4 only and you get pregnant. Chances are you're going to have a miscarriage if you even did get pregnant in the beginning. Now, some people have successful pregnancies on T4 only, understand. But just know that if you do get pregnant and you are a thyroid patient, your levels of thyroid hormone most likely will need to increase. And you definitely want to add in iodine, a very good prenatal vitamin. Maybe that contains a little bit of iodine because that is imperative for the baby's brain development. So it's, it's very, very, very important to have optimal levels of thyroid hormone when you are pregnant across the board, no matter what medication you're on. Angie asks, is it possible that low body weight has caused most of my low hormone issues, low estrogen, low testosterone, low free T3, low TSH, low ferritin, which in turn has caused sudden hair loss and major thinning. So Angie, a couple things. Low body weight, well, we don't know what caused that low body weight. If it's starvation, if you're not eating enough, then that starvation, that, that, that famine state that your body is in can shut down thyroid function. So not eating enough and being in that starvation state will put your body in a starvation mode and it will shut down all other processes. So yes, it will tank your sex hormones. Yes, it will tank your thyroid. So you're going to see the low free T3. Low TSH is more indicative. I mean, it depends what your TSH is. But if you have low free T3, you're not hyper, but you just have a low TSH. Low sex hormones for sure. And then the hair loss will be correlated to the low ferritin, which you have, also to the low testosterone, also to the low estrogen, also to the low free T3, which may or may not have been caused by starvation. So everything is kind of interconnected. So again, I don't know what caused your low body weight. Maybe you're not eating enough. Maybe you're not eating enough protein. But if you are just one of those people, like you have a thyroid problem, but you just cannot gain weight no matter what you do and you have low body weight, as long as you are supporting your body with proper nutrients, then it's not the low body weight that caused these things. It's these things that have to be addressed to help with the, the sudden hair loss and major thinning. So again, hair loss, major thinning is going to be low estrogen. Estrogen is imperative for the plumpness of our hair. That's why when you look at older ladies who are not on hormone replacement therapy, they're going to have almost see-through hair. You know, like they have a hairstyle, but you like you can see their scalp and their hair is so thin, like you can see through it. Estrogen, testosterone, low testosterone, that plays a role with hair. You don't want too high, like a dude level of testosterone, because then you can get dihydrotestosterone. 
DHT, which causes male pattern baldness, but you're talking about hair loss and hair thinning. That's definitely going to be the low ferritin. I'm going to argue that you're low protein. You could be low in zinc as well. So all of those can contribute to each other. Okay. Melody. Just wondering, what is the point of taking T4 if T3 is the active form and the one that makes us feel better? Good question, girl. All right. So in a perfect world, we want you on some T4 because that is your storage. So if you can have some stores that your body can pull from to make T3 when it needs to, all the better. Like T3 only is not a goal that anyone should have. You shouldn't be working towards being T3 only. If you can have some T4 in the mix, cool. But if you are someone that simply cannot convert, does not convert, no matter what, even if we fix all the things, estrogen's good, insulin's good, zinc is good, magnesium's good, selenium's good, iodine's good, dot, 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 then you're T3 only if you have to be. But the ultimate goal is to have you have a little bit of storage thyroid hormone and enough of the active thyroid hormone to run the show all at the same time. That really is the perfect world. Nancy, you're saying... I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's last fall. I eliminated gluten and dairy, and my fatigue has been so much better. I haven't been on any prescriptions, just taking selenium. I'm going to pause there. Be careful with selenium, Nancy, because this is one of those supplements that everybody takes because they read it and hear it and see it and see it in a blog and a forum and a podcast and some thyroid group. You really can overdo selenium. You should not be taking 200 micrograms of selenium per day. Maybe 100 max. I prefer just pop it, pop 100 micrograms of selenium a couple times a week, call it a day. Take some Brazil nuts. Don't be pumping selenium in like it's going to be the miracle to your thyroid. The labs the endocrinologist checked shown my thyroid numbers. At least the ones that they did check. Yeah, thanks for putting that in there. That's good. <laughs> the ones that they did check were in a normal range, but we don't know. We don't know what normal is there, Nancy except for the very high antibodies, i.e. Hashimoto's. I just ordered the thyroid fixer. I'm having my thyroid removed in 10 days. None of my doctors have mentioned the prescriptions at all. I'm worried on when and how I'm going to start those. Nancy, I mentioned this a little bit earlier when I was talking about thyroidectomy. If we remove your thyroid, and I guess question number one would be, why are they removing your thyroid in 10 days? If you, you just said that your labs are normal, except you have high antibodies, the only time we remove thyroid is if somebody is swinging. So are you going from Graves' disease to Hashimoto's to Graves' to Hashimoto's? You're on this pendulum that nobody can control? Or do you have cancer? That's why we remove it. We don't remove someone with Hashimoto's, we don't remove their thyroid gland just for shits and giggles because we remove it if we have to. If there's a definitive reason, then yes, let's do that and then start at the beginning with proper thyroid hormone replacement therapy. That is where I would use on you. And, and listen, Nancy, if your doctor gives you T4 only, I want you to run. I want you to call me. We'll get this all straightened out. We'll get you on the right meds. 
because what most surgeons do post thyroidectomy is exactly what I mentioned earlier, medical malpractice. They put patients on T4 only. Remove thyroid gland that once produced T4 and T3, and then we replace with T4 only. I would, I'm not saying, I am saying and I'm not saying, because I don't know your case, Nancy, but I would just encourage you to possibly get a second opinion because I don't know why they're taking it out. Now, you can be on thyroid fixer, that's fine, but you're going to need actual thyroid hormone replacement after a thyroidectomy. And it's got to be T4 and T3. And you have to have somebody monitoring you as those levels climb. Because after the thyroidectomy, you're going to feel great. You're going to get a little bit of a thyroid hormone dump. And that could last anywhere between a week to four weeks to six weeks. But then eventually you're going to crash. You're going to go hypo. You're going to be dealing with a lot of symptoms. So I think in your case, we just need to know more information. Why the hell they're taking it out in the first place? Does one have to supplement with T2 if they take Armour Thyroid? No, you certainly don't have to. There's a little bit in there. But if you're on Armour and you're still struggling with weight and energy, then I would add in T2. So, I mean, remember, I mean, I take T3 only. And I still add in T2 when I am gaining weight. If I went to, you know, had a big weekend of overeating, going on a trip, didn't exercise. This past week I was sick, I didn't exercise. So adding in T2 just to burn more, bring up my basal metabolic rate. So the amount of fat that I am burning at rest, T2, and to improve energy at the cell level and stimulating brown adipose tissue to help improve insulin resistance. Yes, in that case, I will add in T2. Two, four, sure. Anita, how quickly can you lower T4 when you are raising T3? Working on getting off T4. So if you don't convert, if you're working with a good practitioner, Anita, if you flat out do not convert at all, they should be pulling you off of that T4. I mean, it shouldn't be this gradual lowering thing. I mean, it can be if, if they're playing around. And again, I don't know your entire case, but let's say we'll do a hypothetical. Let's say I have a patient that has a reverse T3 of uh, 20 and they're on T4 and T3. Okay, we're going to raise the T3 gradually. We're going to do that gradually because I want you to get used to it, right? So we're going to raise the T3 gradually, go up by five micrograms, go up by five micrograms, go up by five, Adding each, adding it into each dose. So add five into the morning dose, add five into the afternoon dose, go up again, hold that for a week, add it, add it. But the T4, let's say someone has a reverse T3 of a 20 and they're on 100 micrograms T4. We're going to lower that most likely to 50 because T4 is like the tortoise. So yeah, we could go to 75, but with a reverse T3 of a 20, I'm probably going to 50. And we're going to hold there, hold, increase T3, retest. Now, let's say we retest and that damn reverse T3 is still 20. Or let's say it went up, which it shouldn't. Well, then we look for underlying causes. What is driving this up? I don't know if you remember the case study podcast that I did a long time ago, months and months and months ago, where I had an individual patient whose insulin was like 57. It was the highest insulin ever. 
So she was on T3 only. Her reverse T3 was 35, 37, 35, something crazy. So obviously there were underlying causes driving her reverse T3 up. So I would want to know what is dry. Okay. Yeah. You dropped down to, to 88. That's, that's fine. Right? So we want to drop that down and add in T3 and then we retest again. And then we see where your reverse T3 comes in. And if that's still high, we drop it again. Now we go from 88. I wouldn't have gone that small of a drop. I would at least go to 75. And then I would go down again and go up again in the T3. So it's, it's unique to each individual based on their reverse T3 number, how much T4 they're on. It doesn't really have to be a slow, gradual thing, though. It can be relatively quick based on that reverse T3 number. But like I said earlier, we like to keep T4 in the mix if we can. You know, if we can, we like to keep it in the mix. So Nancy got back to us here. And the reason why she is having her thyroid taken out is that she has very large nodules and they're starting to impair her swallowing. So I understand that, but thankfully, Rory, love him to death. Thank you for jumping in, Rory. Wrote in and said, any chance, Nancy, that your thyroid nodule swelling is because of low iodine levels? That is one of the biggest causes, kind of going back to our iodine discussion in the very beginning, one of the biggest causes of thyroid nodules is low iodine. Dr. Brownstein saw that as well. He also says, has your doctor evaluated your iodine levels? Could you just have a goiter due to iodine deficiency? And he agrees about getting a second opinion. And, and I would say that as well. Nancy, if, if, if you wrote down, they found cancer. Okay, you're getting it out in 10 days. But for large nodules impairing your swallowing, obviously this is dependent on you and the severity. I mean, I want you swallowing. But if you're okay adding in some iodine, which is very safe to do, I mean, even short of doing your... Uh, you could get your own iodine test done through Alta Labs and see if it's low. Chances are, if you're not taking it, it's going to be low. I defer to the interview I did with Barton Scott, where I asked him, do you ever test for iodine in, in the hair mineral analysis that his company does? And he's like, well, here's the thing. Every cell in your body needs iodine. Your thyroid needs iodine. Iodine is very breast protective. It's good for everything. It's good for your immune system. Why not just take it? I'm like, oh, good, good, good call. That's a good point. So, Nancy, why don't you just take iodine and start with, you know, like 12.5 milligrams, 25 milligrams, start low, and just see if that doesn't improve your symptoms. And at the same time, think about getting a second opinion because that could be very, very helpful. All right, guys. Thank you so, so much for jumping on. This has been just amazingly fun. So thank you so, so much for jumping on here and being a part and submitting your questions. I love it. I love it. It was such a great hodgepodge of questions. We covered so much. So I hope this all helps you in your thyroid journey of healing. Take care. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I hope you loved it. And as always, if you would be so kind to leave a review, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, that would be absolutely amazing. I read all of them. 
Also, anything that you hear on this podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any kind of medical condition. So we always recommend that you check with your medical provider, your doctor, your nurse practitioner before implementing anything that you hear on this podcast. And if you want to find out more about working together, you can click the link below in the show notes to book a discovery call. And there you'll be talking to a member of my team. They are an extension of me. They are amazing. And you and I will talk after that once we get you all signed up and you and I get to work together. All right. I hope to see you soon.